In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we have a wonderful gospel um, from St. Luke, and it includes one of three stories in the gospels where Jesus raises somebody from the dead. In this case, a young man who was the son of a widow. And I want to look at uh, four points today. I'm breaking the preaching rules. You're supposed to have three points. I got four points. And I want to look at the crisis, the cause, the compassion, and the Christ. So first of all, the crisis. What is the crisis of life? Uh, The crisis in this case, in the story of the gospel today, was that this young man had died and he was the only son of a widow. In those days, there was no social security, so without her only begotten son, she would have to resort to begging, and that was a terrible situation to be in, in those days. So um, Jesus had compassion on her, but uh, the crisis, the real crisis, was that uh, her son had died, And this is a crisis that all of us face, without exception. Once we're born, the biggest crisis we're going to face in our lives is actually death. And this is always in the backs of our minds. And always uh, it's there when we're thinking about life, we're thinking about our families. um, And especially now with the pandemic raging through the world and millions and millions of people dying around the world, uh, we're reminded of this crisis that we all face. Just right at the beginning, I want to give you some hope about this crisis because the three stories that are recorded for us in the Gospels are one, uh, Jairus' daughter, two, this one, the young man, uh, the son of a widow, And the third one is Lazarus. There's the three stories where Jesus actually raised somebody from the dead. The young daughter was on her bed when Jesus raised her. That's as far as she'd got. This young man had died and was on his way to the cemetery. And then Lazarus was actually in the tomb when he raised her. So kind of these three stories put together give us great encouragement that whatever stage we're at with death, Jesus has authority and power over those situations. And he has compassion in every case, of course. Secondly, I want to look at the the cause, the cause of this crisis. As we look at the pandemic, I I hear all sorts of uh, reasons being given. Uh, The Chinese caused it, the Americans caused it, the scientists made mistakes, the bats bit somebody, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And nobody really knows for sure, 100%, what was the cause of the current death. But that's just the cause of the pandemic. Um, The cause of death itself, we can trace to the Holy Scriptures. And um, if we read in Romans, St. Paul's writing to the Romans, we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man... Sin entered the world, and this was when Adam uh, rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve both rebelled against God by disobeying him. Therefore, just as one man, through one man, sin entered the world, 
and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So the, the cause of death all around us, all the pain we see, all the sorrow we see, all the suffering we see, all the mourning we see, goes right back to Adam and Eve and their rebellion against God. And we inherit the consequences of his and her rebellion. We don't inherit the guilt, but we do inherit the consequences. So this is the root and cause of the crisis. It's easy to blame other people, uh, especially with the pandemic and so on, and mistakes made by governments and so on. But if you go to the root of it, it's right back in the Garden of Eden. G.K. Chesterton, who was an Anglican writer, very uh, an intellectual, um, who actually became a Roman Catholic. He probably would have become Orthodox if Orthodox Church had been in England at the time, um, but it wasn't an option. And he wrote a book called Orthodoxy, actually. He was once asked, what is the cause of all the problems in the world? He was asked to write an article for a newspaper. And he just sent in his answer, and it was just two words. And he said, I am. So he was recognizing that sin is actually all our problem these days. It's not just someone else's problem. Uh, I remember standing on a station in uh, London years and years ago when we were going through some crisis, which they're always doing in, in England, um, and there was somebody paid for some posters on the, st on the railway station. And uh, it said, uh, it said uh, it's not your fault that England's going down the drain. It's the person standing next to you. And that's, that's our typical sort of attitude. It's someone else's fault. But G.K. Chesterton recognized that it was his fault. It's my fault. The sin is in me today. It started with Adam and Eve, but it's in me today. I'm responsible. Solzhenitsyn said the same thing, uh, that uh, sin goes through the division of every heart. So it's something that we have to work on ourselves. We have to avoid. St. Paul says we should abhor it. We should avoid it. We should hate evil and aim for holiness all the time. Otherwise, the crisis in the world will just get worse and worse. But let's go back to our gospel reading, which was a particular crisis for a particular uh, widow. And Jesus intervened there. And it says there that he had compassion on her. A very interesting word, this word compassion. I'm going to try and say it, but uh, it might not come out right for those who know Greek better than me. It says, uh, the word is splanchnizomai. Splanchnizomai. It actually means intestines. Uh, but it, it's the strongest word you can use in Greek for compassion. It means He's deep, in the deepest depths of his soul, he felt for that woman. He really felt for her. He had this experience when he saw crowds who were in need. Uh, at other times, we're told that he had compassion. Um, there's a little clue here, too, about who he is, because uh, we find, if you, read, if you read, those of you who are reading through the Psalms, and I, I hope and pray that all of you are, uh, and you should be, 
We find there uh, in Psalm 102, verse 8, for example, uh, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So there's a little hint here as to who Jesus is. He has this compassion for this woman. St. Ambrose of Milan tells us that there's a connection here between as to why he had this compassion. Because he could see that this was how his own mother was going to be feeling when her only son died on the cross and was carried to his tomb. And so this raised up in Jesus a deep compassion for the woman in need. The God of the Old Testament is a God of compassion and the God of the New Testament, our Lord and God and Saviour Jesus Christ, is a God of compassion too. And that compassion was not just for that one widow who lost her son and was weeping, but it is for us too today in our grief, in our sorrow, in our struggles with this current pandemic and just with our struggle with death, which will come one day. And that takes us to our last point, which is the Christ. In my uh, research, uh, I came across a statement that said that one of the reasons that Jesus, that uh, the people really were in fear of what happened when Jesus raised this young man from the dead was that they realized there's something special here. Uh, they had, there were three areas of life which they believed only God had control over. And one was the clouds, one was the origin of life, beginning of life, and one was death. So those three things, clouds, life, death. It's interesting really because in our culture today, our Western culture, we're trying to control the clouds, we're trying to control the weather. Incredible. We've had experiments to try and create life. And uh, people do things, put things into test tubes and they say, oh, look, I've got life. There isn't a God. We can do it naturally. The only thing is, and actually in our prayers, in the priest prayers already, we've said this morning, that he created us from nothing. <laughs> so when the scientists can create life from nothing, then they might have proved something. But even if they did, that doesn't prove anything either. Um, at the moment, I, I'm learning how to cook. Um, when I married uh, Janet, my courier Janet, um, all I could cook was beans, basically. And that was what I learned in the army. Or sometimes a stew, depending on what they gave us in the tin. Um, but now I'm trying to do different things. And even I've cooked a cake. And she's told me the recipe, and I cook the cake, and I follow the instructions, and the cake comes out. It's amazing. I'm more amazed than anybody you could believe. Um, but it doesn't prove that Janet doesn't exist. And so the scientists are following recipes to try and work out how to create life, but it doesn't prove that God doesn't exist, even if they succeed one day. Uh, and then, of course, we come to the end of life. And now our culture is saying that... Um, actually, they're very schizophrenic, our culture. Uh, you're not allowed to die of COVID, so we've got to be locked up. But if you're not feeling you want to live anymore and your quality of life's not so good, you've got to die. They give you a pill and uh, they'll assist you. It's very, very strange. 
But in the old days, uh, the Jewish belief is that only God has authority over these three areas. The clouds, the beginning of life, and death. So when Jesus raised this young boy from the dead, everybody was absolutely, well, they were in fear and they were in amazement. And St. Luke uses this story to build up his picture of who Jesus of Nazareth is and that he is God incarnate. So this is part one of the steps along the way. Now, um, we're told that Jesus, he spoke to the boy, he spoke to the woman first and said, do not weep. Then he spoke to the boy, boy um, but he also touched the beer. And St. Saint Saint Cyril of Alexandria says, why did he touch? Because the word of God is all powerful. So why did he need to touch? And he takes this as an illustration of how um, the touch of Christ is also needed for salvation. And this is why it's so hard for us at the moment not being allowed to come to church to receive the body and blood of Christ, to, to receive the touch of Christ in our own lives. I just remind you that the bishop has said that when we're connected to this um, podcast, not podcast, this live streaming, then it's as if we have been to church and we have been touched by Christ because of these special circumstances. Um, it won't happen forever, but under these special circumstances, it is the case. The flesh of the Almighty Word is the body of life. And uh, we need that. The flesh of Christ annihilates the influence of death and corruption in us human beings. So therefore we are reminded of the importance of coming to church to, to receive the body and blood of Christ whenever we can. The other amazing thing that's recorded in this story is that the son, when he sits up, he doesn't just sit up, he speaks. And why is that important? Well, this shows that he really was alive. Many years ago, uh, Father Columba of Blessed Memory uh, who started, who, he is also a, an Anglican who became Orthodox, and he started a parish out in uh, Officer. And um, he was an unmarried priest, and he was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer, and he had no family. So, Courier uh, Janet and myself, we, we took him into our home for his last days, and uh, he died in our house. But it was, at one stage, he went into a coma. And um, we just had to do the best we could for him. And people came in to look after him. And um, you might have been tempted to think that he was dead. Because although he's, he was breathing, it was a difficult breathing too. It was quite stressful for me uh, and for Janet to listen to him. But although he was, br although he was breathing, you kind of wondered, I mean, is he really alive? You know, is he, is he really alive? Has he gone already and it's just the body sort of in auto mode? But we, I was there with him at one point. We were saying some prayers and reading some psalms, I think. And he suddenly, he woke up from his coma. And he started speaking very comprehensively to us for a short while. Somebody else was with us and they said, Father Columba, are you afraid? And he said, absolutely not, he said. 
I remember those are his last words. And then he went back into his coma again. But it just showed me that he, he was alive. Even though he was in a coma, he was still alive because he was able to speak. And this young boy, when he sat up, St. Luke, the physician, records this detail, that he spoke. And this indicates that he really was alive. And this is why, partly why the people were so uh, in fear as to what um, was happening in their midst and who this person was, who in fact was God incarnate. Um, so there we, there we have this amazing story. The, the crisis is our death. All of us are going to die one day. All of us are going to die, without exception. It's the ultimate statistic. One out of one dies. And it's a crisis for each one of us we have to face. How are we going to face it? Well, the cause, of course, is sin. So we've got to keep ourselves free from that as much as we can and aim to be holy. And that's why the church has given us these disciplines to live by. Confession, um, almsgiving, fasting, Eucharist, reading the scriptures, all undergirded by prayer. This is to help us with this battle against sin, which we have, um, which is, has infected the world worse than the pandemic. Everyone has a problem with this, so we have to struggle with it. And then um, the compassion of Christ. We need to remember the compassion of Christ. He understands what it's like to live. He understands what it's like to die. He understands what it's like for us to see our loved ones die. And he has compassion on us. He understands what it's like for us to go through this pandemic as well and to have our loved ones die and our relatives die. It's very, very hard for us. He knows that. He has compassion on us. And we need to be reminded that he has authority over life and death and the clouds and the weather. So uh, um, don't complain about the weather because God is in control even of that. The picture I like to use to sum up today's service is the gospel, sorry. Um, it's like I, I was watching the news recently where there was a crowd of protesters coming one way and there was a crowd of police with armoured cars and all sorts of things coming the other way. These two processions coming towards each other. And you think, what's going to happen when they meet? Well, we all saw what happened. Uh, one of the crowds overcame the other. And here in this story today, we have two crowds coming together. We're told one is the procession uh, with the young boy who died on their way to the cemetery, with people weeping, the mother weeping, probably others were weeping as well, coming towards this other crowd of people, which was Jesus and his disciples coming into Nain. And the two crowds met. And what happened? People must have wondered, what happened? The angels would have wondered, what's going to happen? And this procession was the procession of life. And this procession was the procession of death. And when they met, life overcame death. And Jesus overcame death. And this is part of the good news of the gospel. It's what we celebrate at Easter. 
Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs, bestowing life. And one day, we say it in the creed every Sunday, every day, we say we believe in the resurrection of the dead. And that's us. One day, he will raise us from our graves. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. What a wonderful story from the Gospels this morning. Now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion and praise, now and forever and to the ages of ages. Amen.